Hello, and welcome to the Midlife Thesis Podcast. I'm your host, Dieter Schwartz. Join me in this episode as I speak to Sean Brook, president of Issues, Inc. Sean and I will help you define on how you go to the world, and we'll try to get you to be a little clearer on just who you are. Listen in and fasten your seatbelts. Okay, Sean, welcome to the Midlife Thesis Podcast. Um, today, very happy to have Sean Brook uh, from the Issues, Inc. Um, organization join us. And Sean is the president there. And um, as uh, listeners already know, and, and just to let you know, Sean, the idea of this podcast is to get a little deeper and get beyond the what we do or what we are into the who we are underneath all that and to kind of peel away the layer so to speak to uh to get to who we are as as individuals and to join or to to learn from each other as we um as we join in, in listening to this this podcast so with that once again welcome and um you know, I've, I've made the introduction as to as to what you do. Uh, maybe we can get into a little bit about uh, who you are. Yeah, Dieter, thanks. That's great. Uh, that, that sounds like a, a nice, big, juicy conversation. I'm excited to uh, to jump in with you. Excellent. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the, the preamble that I that I made to this podcast, uh, you know, certainly uh, what uh, what caused me to, to start down this, this road is, um, you know, I found myself years ago at a, at a party. Um, and, uh, I was, I was in an interesting spot in life where people kept asking me what I did. And, and I, uh, I have to be honest, I got a little frustrated and, uh, and I felt like shouting, why don't you ask me who I am? I'm, I'm tired of talking about what I do. I, I, I really want to tell you who I am and maybe then I can ask you, who you are and, and, and not just what you do, but I, I wanted to go deeper in conversation and, and that's, you know, once again, what, what started this podcast. Do that, 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 that's interesting because hearing you say that it prompts a story in my mind. And unfortunately, if you're going to spend more than five minutes uh, talking with me, you're, you're going to get, uh, you're going to get hit with some stories. So uh, the story that comes to my mind is remembering back to, I was a young married man and uh, my midwife, who was in the dictionary under kind of granola crunching, thinking about big things in life, and I was this dumb young jock, and uh, she came to me with this idea of a course, a course called Landmark Education, and she said, I think your company would probably pay for it, because I think it helps to grow leaders and leadership. Wow. I'm like, okay, well, sure, I'll give that a go. So I, sh I go to my boss. He says, yeah, they're in. So I go to this course. And after the first day of this course, I came home and said, told my wife that, you know, this is crazy. Like they're asking me to introduce myself in front of 400 people. And mm -hmm. they're asking me to do all these, these in-depth things. And this doesn't seem like it's really going to help my leadership. And then at the end of the second day, when I came home, I came home with a smile from ear to ear and stood up in front of my... <laughs> in front of my wife and told her okay so today I stood up in 400 in front of 400 people and, and, and introduced myself as sharing and love 
the day before <laughs> I had introduced myself as a sales manager, a dad, uh, like that, and that all of these basic concepts. And today I introduced myself as sharing and love. And wow. that was kind of the beginning of a, of a big journey, Dieter, to, uh, wow. to understanding how do you fill those shoes? <laughs> I, yeah. And that, and that is, you know, I think that's, that's the other um, part of this conversation that, uh, that, you know, as we introduce ourselves in a different way, as you just mentioned, you know, now do we have big shoes to fill and, and how do we do that? Um, so as we, you know, some, some people are now talking about as a result of current events, um, you know, they, they may need to reinvent themselves and, and, and that comes with some trepidation and some concern and, and uncertainty and, and well, anxiety probably for some. Um, but I think it's a great opportunity to really get into, um, you know, what, what do we want to be? Not, not, not what are we, but what do we want to be? And, and, you know, how do we, how do we make that change? How do we make that leap? Yeah. I, I heard someone describe it the other day that, that, that you don't necessarily have to redefine who you are. You just have to define how you go to the world. And, and, and so you and I work in an industry that has not been crushed by this. And, that, and thank yeah. my lucky stars that that is that is the case. But a lot of people have are are in an industry that has been crushed, and 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 I think that this those people that were clear on who they are have a bit of an advantage right now. Because if you're clear of who you are, then that that reestablishment, that redefinition of of how you're going to go into the world, I, I think it feels a little easier. I. I really like what you said there just now. And I, I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm still digesting the define how you go to the world. I think that's just an amazing statement. And uh, I, uh, I really like that. Um, and you're absolutely right. Um, if you are clear on who you are, then, you know, it, it, it makes some of those, um, those interview questions certainly a little easier as you're, as you're applying probably for, you know, for jobs that are currently outside of your comfort zone, um, you know, if your industry has been affected and, um, you know, how, how do the skills that you have gathered um, in, in one industry possibly, you know, how do they translate into something else? And maybe, you know, the, you know, if you were putting widgets uh, from box A into box B, uh, none of those skills will transfer into your new role and you really have to uh, figure out, um, you know, how some of the other softer skills or other skills can, can help you in your new role. So I, I really like what you said. If you're, you know, clear on who you are, that's going to help you a lot. Yeah. And, and, and I, I certainly don't want to make that sound easy because, 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 because it is not easy. And the fact that you're doing this podcast and I'm attending this podcast suggests that ne neither you nor I have this 100% figured out. No, not at all. And that, uh, you know, to me, as a, you know, as I said to you earlier on, um, to me, what, what this podcast has been so far, you know, I'm a few episodes in, what a what a journey already uh what a what a learning journey it has been for me and and interesting people i've spoken to and their experiences 
and I and I really hope that uh, you know those that uh, that take the time to listen uh, get uh, get as much out of it as I have because it it has really opened my eyes um, as to you know we're all on on a journey but it's different and maybe we don't share that enough maybe we spent too much time behind the curtain um, you know or be, or behind our our garments of what we do and, and, you know, we don't want ever to see anybody, uh, you know, the, the, the emperor without clothes. So, um, yeah. So, you know, you, you touched on it a little bit with the, uh, with the landmark course that you, you took and, and introducing yourself in a, in a different way. Um, can you uh, share some other experiences or possibly, you know, courses that, uh, that you took that, uh, that helped you a little bit on the, on the journey of, of being more clear on who you are? Yeah, absolutely. It, it, it's interesting. As you're saying, or asking these questions, it's triggering certain uh, memories and uh, the, the, the biggest piece and anyone who knows me knows that this is a hundred percent the truth. Um, the real impetus to my growth of, of being the man that I am is thanks to my late wife. And uh, she was the one that <laughs> when she picked up this hunk of coal that was Sean, um, I was a, a kind of a, a dumb jock that hadn't really thought much about who he wanted to be or if, 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 if what I wanted to be able to accomplish in this world. And uh, she drew out of me exactly what it was that I wanted. She didn't tell me who I was going to be. She didn't tell me what I was going to do. She drew out of me who I was and who I wanted to be in this world. And and, and then along comes some kids in your life, life and you want to be a certain, um, you want to create a certain relationship with them. And that just pushes each of these buttons. And and when I think of what my wife did, what, what she did is, and she even gave me this language, she held space for me. And she held space for me to be who I was going to be. And I think what that means to me now, or at least the way I interpret it is, is that you need to have people in your life that when I say hold space for you, they give you room to do what you're going to do. And... <laughs> I'm not sure everyone has lots of those people. I think everyone has at least one, at least one person who has figured out how to hold space for them and let them be who they're going to be. Let them shine the way that they're going to shine. And that is the most empowering thing that anyone has ever done for me is to be able to hold space. And ever since I learned that concept, it has been my main mantra to be able to figure out how to do that for virtually everyone in my life. I, I'm, I'm sure I epically fail at it on a regular basis, but that's my goal <laughs> is to, is to try and figure out how to hold space for each of the important people in my life. What, what a, what a great call to action. and What a great way to pay it forward, Sean. I mean, that uh, I'm, I'm just, uh, you know, once again, I'm, I'm awestruck here listening to you because I, you know, I, I, I agree with you. Um, we, we do need to, let people be who they are, or who they, who they, you know, ideally would like to be maybe as well. And I think, you know, and I can, I guess I can look at it from a, uh, a work perspective and, you know, as it relates to 
we create job descriptions and and we're hoping to find someone to to fit into that box and uh, you know as we interview them we uh, we check uh, box one through ten and uh, mm-hmm. if they fit into those boxes then then away we go but then we also have the expectation that you know in terms of measurement in terms of everything else you know we want to continue to check those ten boxes and it's really only been recently that uh, you know to your point I think there's a bit of a movement to kind of say well hang on a second you know, are we actually confining this person to try to fit into the box that we created and they're doing their darn best to do that. But what are we missing? (laughs) Are we missing, you know, are we missing something that this person could be, you know, maybe doesn't exactly fit into our box, but man could take our company to places that we never even thought of. And are we as, you know, as I guess I'm, I'm making the example of employer here, but you know, are we making space for that in, in our work? But that can, you know, to me, that translates into any kind of relationship we have. And, you know, are we, are we holding space? And, and boy, that's, a, you know, as I said earlier, um, people give me lots to think about. And, and uh, I'll certainly ruminate on, on this for a while. And I, I appreciate the challenge to, uh, to try to do that for others. It, you know, Dieter, I, I think it's real interesting because um, we spend most so much, or we have the potential to spend our life catching people doing either things right or things wrong. And when I think back to when people catch me doing something right and they notice me doing something right, how much impact that has on me going more in that direction. And 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 my wife certainly taught me this. That if, if, if we cor- are constantly correcting folks, just like if I'm constantly being corrected on something, I want to turn away from it. I want to turn away from that activity or that feeling or that relationship for that matter. If I get caught doing it right, and by caught doing it right, I think I'm, what I mean is just someone noticing, someone acknowledging and having the bravery to risk feeling silly, to at risk saying the wrong thing. And when my wife passed away, I I discovered that the world was divided into two groups. It was divided into people that were afraid to say the wrong thing and people that were willing to say the wrong thing. And inevitably, they always said the right thing. And Mm. and that that, that bravery is is a pretty powerful piece. (laughs) And and just one quick story on bravery. My... uh, My wife comes home after having been at a baseball practice with my son. And uh, she, she he, that day, he stood up and given this speech at class. And she was there for it. She was there for everything. And, uh, and <laughs> after baseball practice, they'd gone for an ice cream and uh, they came home. And she tells me that, uh, so I uh, was telling your son today that I was proud of him at how brave he was. Um, for just standing up in front of the class and doing this presentation. And he looks at me, this nine-year-old boy looks at me and says, well, mom, I wasn't really brave because I wasn't scared. She says, what do you mean? He said, well, you can't really be brave if you're not scared. And if you're scared, then that's when you have to be brave. And she was Mm. like, how is this kid teaching me this? Yeah. 
It's wise, really wise. Wow. So bravery, not avoiding fear. It's it's actually working through the fear and figuring that out. So this that 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 comes to mind because this idea of we're so often afraid to say tell the story. We're so often afraid to to recognize someone for doing something well because we're afraid they're going to think we're being condescending or they think we're that we're better than them, whatever the, the fear is that plays in our head. But boy, when we, when we can be brave enough to fight through that and, and tell the story and talk about the piece, wow, the connections that get made are pretty powerful. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I, you know, as I, as I said, I think, yeah, there's, there's lots of talk about, you know, what will, what will the world look like after this? What will we look like after this? And I honestly think that kind of that reset that we've all, many of us have experienced through this, and, and you're right, you know, we've been fortunate that our industry carries on and others have, experienced, have had very different and, and maybe more impactful experience to them. But, you know, that whole thought of it's all going to be okay in the end, you know, we're, we're going to get through this and... Um, you know, I don't, yeah. Is it, is it bravery? Is it, is it maybe not, maybe not understanding what we should be scared of? Mm. Um, I think all of us have had different experiences in that regard, um, through this time, but I do think we're all going to come out a little, little different out of this. Um, maybe some won't, <laughs> I think some just want to go back to, uh, their normal, but uh, I'm, I personally, I'm looking forward to a new normal and, and a new way of relating with people. And, um, and, and I, I hope that's going to kind of give some others some incentive to, to, yeah, look for ways that they can interact differently. I, I spent the first two weeks of this flat out scared, scared for me, scared for my family, scared for my business, scared for my, um, my team at work, scared for basically scared for the world and uh, and I heard a guy the guy's name is Grant Cardone and he's this sales <laughs> hitman and he yeah. is, he's just an amazing guy and I heard him say the people that are going to win this are people that realize that they have to ch- that, that that they have to change right now that they have to figure out that this, those that get past the, this isn't fair, why me, um, like this shouldn't be happening, the people that get past that and decide that they're going to make some change, whatever that is, fill in the blank, people that figure that out first are the people that are going to win. And for some reason, that just smacked me upside the head. That just absolutely smacked me upside the head to say, okay, what do I got to change? And, and he gave this idea of making a list of things in your life and then deciding if they're an asset or a liability, because what used to be an asset might now be a liability. And how do you think about that from a life perspective, not, not, not a straight up business perspective, but from a life perspective. And that, that kind of, that kind of jolt, I think made a big difference in, in my way of thinking about how to, how to make it through these changes. I, I yeah. And I, uh, like you, I also follow uh, Grant Cardone and uh, he's Mr. 10 X. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, many, many people in our industry, um, you know, uh, think quite fondly of him and rightly so. And I, uh, I totally agree with your assessment of, you know, is it an asset or a liability? Um, 
you know, I think we all kind of get lulled into that um, sense of, of normalcy. And I've, I've heard it called the normalcy complex. Um, you know, we, we get so used to um, what's normal. And uh, to others, it may be completely crazy. And, and, you know, that's one of the beauties of traveling internationally, which sadly we won't do for a while. But what we consider normal, others don't. And, and it's good to sometimes shake ourselves out of that whole, um, this is okay, this is acceptable, when it's really not, when it might just be a liability in our life. Yeah. And, and we really need to reevaluate. So, yeah, great uh, Great way to look at it. Dieter, um, Dieter, I'm curious how you get to talk to a lot of people in the course of a day. Um, mm-hmm. Everybody wants to talk COVID right now. And, and I will admit, I went one week where I told myself and all my calls, <laughs> I'm not going to talk COVID. Um, and that doesn't work because everybody really needs to talk a little bit about it in each one of these calls. But I'm curious, what, what, do, you, what is, do you have a go-to that is a, the, the non-COVID connection? Anything that works? Uh, I don't. I, I don't, and, and I wish I did. Um, I'm a I'm a pretty uh, you know I guess pragmatic guy. I I, I like to uh, face things head on, and uh, so I, I try not to shy away from a conversation if it goes there. Mm-hmm. But I also try not to dwell on the on the negative. Um, you know, one of the things that is just amazing in our industry. Um, is, is people have always just put their head down and, and kept on going. Um, you know, the ag industry has gone through BSE, through, and, you know, all manner of, of struggles, you know, the 80s, the 30s, before that. And somehow uh, there's always been those that rightly or wrongly just, just kept right on working. Um, you know, I, I remember... My dad was quoted in a magazine article one time, um, and uh, I think the headline was "Work Smarter, Work Harder." Um, and to me, I was quite frustrated, and uh, and you know, I felt like saying, "Well, Dad, you know, that's that's kind of crazy because you know, if you're working smarter, you shouldn't have to work harder." Um, and uh, he's like, "No, son, we still we have to be smart." but we always have to keep our head down and keep working. You know, it doesn't mean just because you're being smart about it, you get to sit on the couch for more hours in the day. Um, and I think, you know, we will get through this. Uh, that's, that's, I guess to answer your question, that's what I steer it to is the positive. Is the optimism. Right, the positive. And there is no better, you know, you, you talked about us being both being in the seed industry. There's no better industry right now. You know, I, I was at a farm today where I, I dropped off some seed and, and, you know, just watching the young calves kind of uh, in, in the spring pasture run around and, and their, their joy in, in life and, and the green grass and, and uh, you know, driving past people putting seed in the ground. Um, it's hard not to be optimistic um, when, when you're seeing that new growth. And uh, to me, I've always loved springtime for that. And, and I do think, you know, there are some, I guess, glimmers of optimism in, in this whole COVID game in, in that we're, um, you know, getting beyond and many are warning us from being too optimistic. But I'd like to think that we're beyond this, this scared phase mm-hmm. and we're moving into, okay, it's here, now what? And, you know, to your point, uh, the Grant Cardones of the world are saying, 
I, I can't just ignore this. I can't keep sitting on the couch and hoping that this will go away. Um, I need to take the opportunity to think about what's next and think about what I'm going to do and maybe, you know, lighten my backpack. It's going to be a tough hike. You know, what, what am I going to take with me and what can I leave behind? And, uh, it's, it's not going to be an easy road ahead. So maybe lighten the load a little bit and maybe some of the things I'm hanging on to, I don't need to. And, um, leaner, meaner, smarter and harder as my dad would say, I guess. Yeah, exactly. I, I think that this this is forcing people that may have slipped into a bit of a rut, right? Even if they're, like I say, their industry didn't get crushed, but they had slid into a little bit of a rut, it, it is forcing us to rethink that rut, right? Is, is that actually the rut that we want to be? Is, is that who we want to be, to your original point to this whole discussion? Is that who we want to be? And And one of the pieces that, rings in my head is uh, over the last few years, I've been able to do some great work with uh, the Do More Ag Foundation. And uh, yes. th- their efforts have been astounding to me. And uh, another story, Dieter, if I can. Um, Absolutely. We were doing a panel discussion with Leslie and Kim from the Do More Ag Foundation. And I was facilitating mm-hmm. it at Farm Tech up in Edmonton. And we, we did this session and, uh, or we were doing a session uh, about Du Morag and we, I, I wanted to be able to bring every, well, first of all, we didn't know how many people were going to come. Turned out it's packed. We've got the, the local news cameras there and, and it's massive. And, uh, I wanted to bring the crowd into, to realizing that everyone was pretty similar here. And, and mm-hmm. I had three questions I was going to ask. The first one was, how many here have had their families impacted by suicide? And then I was going to continue with how many have you that know someone that has been impacted by suicide? And then how many of you just don't quite feel yourself some days when you wake up? It's trying to make everyone so that they had their hand up or they, they stood up. Well, after I asked the first question, about nine-tenths of the room is standing with the first question of how many of you have had your family impacted by suicide. And it was like yeah. someone punched me in the stomach. I, I didn't expect it. I didn't see it coming. I didn't know. And uh, I had to take a bit of a pause and then collect my thoughts and walk through these other questions. And then we had this conversation and we had a big conversation and the ladies did an amazing job of, of sharing some great information and connecting with the audience and, and giving people some, some hope and some, some ways, different ways to potentially think about things. And when it was all done, we were walking out of the room and uh, the, the, a gentleman who in the dictionary under kind of crotchety looking farmer guy uh, is standing halfway down the hallway. And as soon as he sees me come out, he's making a beeline right for me. I can tell he's not walking towards ladies, he's walking right towards me. And my mind is spinning through this. Oh my God, what's he going to say? I, I don't think I can handle him get, telling me I'm a wimp for having a teardrop as I was up on stage or like I can't handle any of this. And then as he gets to me, he puts out his hand and he says, I just want to tell you, you did a great job today and you saved my life. Mm. You wow. saved my life. And that, that's so I don't get caught without words very often, Dieter. And, and I, I, all I could kind of stammer out is like, what, what, what do you mean? 
And he said, I was going home to take my life today. And when I heard all these people talking and I realized the stuff that people were going through and that I'm not alone and that there's places I can go to, to, uh, to find help and get help. I'm not going to do that. And, uh, wow. so, so having conversations, telling stories, being brave enough to share when you don't know if you should or shouldn't. That's the story that I would love everyone to keep in their mind when they're deciding if they're going to be brave enough to share their, their peace. You know, and, and it, it's, it's interesting. Um, you know, the individuals you mentioned, I, I, I know them as well and, and we've met and um, I just love, you know, both Leslie and Kim on, on how they, how they share their stories. And, you know, you talk about brave, um, Boy, when they shared their stories about, you know, struggles on, on their farm and their families, it, it, it hits home and it really makes you think, okay, um, how can I be better at connecting with people, at sharing my story and, and maybe, you know, some of the wisdom I've learned and, um, and, you know, I, <laughs> one of the stories that, uh, speaking of, of, you know, 10 year olds, um, my son the other day said, dad, I, I, I want to be as, as wise as you are someday. Uh, he, he said, I'm, I'm pretty smart, but I think I, I have some wisdom to gain. <laughs> and, uh, um, you know, that, that, you know, speaking of bringing a tear to your eye, that, that, you know, certainly made me feel good that he, that he feels that way about his dad, but the wisdom that he already had in knowing that, you know, it's about listening to others. It's about sharing those stories and hopefully, you know, getting something out of that. Um, I guess, you know, I, I would say in terms of kind of the current times that we're in, um, and I would have to say I was a younger man then and I probably didn't, I, I wish I would have listened more and talked less, but nonetheless, I was there. I, I heard enough for it to have an impact when, you know, my grandparents would talk about um, their tough time, you know, coming through World War One, World War Two, and, you know, how times were tough and there wasn't a lot to eat and, you know, um, gardening and, and just the optimism and, and animals and just kind of seeing things in front of them and one step at a time kind of got them through. Um, you know, there's, there's wisdom in that. And, and I didn't think, I have to be honest, uh, you know, I was, I was in my, uh, just on, on, that, on that track where I didn't really look left and right and just kind of kept my head down and um, just kept working and didn't think this would ever happen. <laughs> I didn't think I would ever have to go back to the advice of my grandparents and kind of, you know, draw on that and, and say, okay, they, they got through that. We will get through this. Um, you know, I called, speaking of being scared, I, I have an 80 year old mother. So I called her early on and I said, look, I, I I'm going to respect uh, distance and I'm, I'm worried about bringing this home. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm just gonna, you know, we're going to have to figure out a way to communicate without seeing each other. And, and is there anything I can, I can bring and drop off on your doorstep? And, and she said, I made it through world war two. I know how to bake. I got two freezers full of food. And I'm not worried at all. 
Now right. I was, oh, okay. It's me that's worried, Talk not you. Perspective. So, yeah, and that and that really put it into perspective. So wow, um, just just back to the do more ag experience. Um, you know, one of the things that that I ponder a lot, and I appreciate you you asking me kind of the conversations I get to have at the farm gate and, and believe you me, they are quite different um, than they used to be just as a result of trying to remain distant and trying to uh, have, you know, have good conversations without, uh, <laughs> without speaking moistly yeah, to each yeah. other. Um, and, uh, and yet, you know, that is the reason I, I, that's the reason I'm, I'm, in the line of work that I'm in is, is relationships and, and building those relationships. And with that comes, um, you know, you, you, I guess you take on some of the burdens and, you know, one of the things that I, that I think about, you know, as I, as I travel from place to place is, you know, what's, what's going through their mind. Are they okay? You know, is this, how, how is this affecting them? Are they thinking about, you know, who am I going to sell my, my beef to right now? Who am I, who's going to eat my corn? Who's going to, you know, buy my soybeans? Who's our, you know, who's our biggest customer? Um, and, you know, to your point, I really hope um, we have created enough of a network and of a system and of a culture where we feel comfortable you know, walking up to someone in the hallway and saying, you saved my life. Right. I, I, I hope we, we have that. Um, certainly, you know, I guess the question I have for you, is there anything that you feel that we could do, you know, as, and I don't want to necessarily just uh, single out our industry, um, but just as, 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 as people that interact with others, is there anything that we can do or say, that would create that culture of openness and receptiveness to, to having someone come up and, and have those tough conversations? Well, thanks for such a small little question, Dieter. <laughs> no, <laughs> I know. It's, it's the life. Yeah, it's, no, exactly. And, and I think, though, that, that, that really the connection between a couple of the stories that I've told, I think, is this in my head. When we tell our story, when we're brave enough to to acknowledge something that we did that didn't work, when we're when we're able to talk about our feeling or or, or our our mistake or our success or our, or our luck or our love for that matter, that is what holds space for people. That holds space for someone to be able to think about how they feel about that. And then we've given them essentially permission, just like in a normal conversation where you say something, then it gives me a chance for me to say something, and then you to say something. We do that dance. Same goes in, in, in the environment where we're trying to ratchet it up a layer. If we just keep talking about how we much we miss baseball and the Jets and the you name it, then that's where the conversation stays. Mm-hmm. But when we're able to be brave enough to take it to that other level then so is often, so is the person that we're with. And as we do that, that's what builds that relationship. So, for example, one of the questions that I ask people that often catches them off guard 
what if we are going down to talking about a lot of COVID is, is there one thing in your life that has been positively impacted that you can think of from, from this experience? And, and you can tell lots of people have like quite a few of them, quite frankly, and some people hadn't thought about it that way. Mm-hmm. And this idea of gratitude becomes impeccably powerful. And, and, and then the other concept from Brene Brown that is hits the screensaver on my computer, and it's that empathy is the defense against guilt and shame. And the way that I interpret that to be is if I can empathize with the people around me, it protects me, it insulates me, it helps me not feel guilt and shame about any of the mistakes I've made, any of the things that I haven't done as good as I probably could have or should have or in the relationship uh, with the people around me. Because I, I, big newsflash, I'm not perfect, Dieter. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so lots of mistakes. And But that, that idea of being empathetic and, and, and showing empathy to the people around me helps to insulate both me and them from the guilt and shame that gets in so many people's way. I don't know if that makes sense. Wow. Did that make sense? It, it, yeah, no, it does. Um, so a, a bit of a follow-up to that, Sean, do you feel that as, um, and it's not really necessarily, you know, as it relates to current events, but as we evolve, grow as a society, as we become more aware of each other, do you find that people are having an easier time to share those, you know, what, what you refer to as mistakes or, um, you know, some of the, the lessons learned uh, sometimes at our own expense? Did you find that getting easier or more prevalent? I think that more people are willing to do it. I think it's like so many things in our culture okay. right now there's polarized opposites that we're losing the middle on virtually everything that everyone is being polarized. Mm -hmm. It almost doesn't matter what question you ask me. It feels like whether we're getting these polarized pieces. So tons of people sliding towards being willing to be vulnerable, understanding that being vulnerable is a positive thing. Like there's lots of people that have slid towards that. And then there's lots of people that have slid in the exact opposite direction. And that we are, have lost this middle ground piece of people of a little bit of vulnerability or a little bit of not vulnerable. Like that feels like a natural place to be. But that we're getting these extremes and everything feels like it's building to these extremes. And I'm, I'm not really convinced that the extremes are the positive place to be on, on, on either front. Because it's difficult to be empathetic I... when you're on one of those extremes. I, I wholeheartedly agree. And, and, you know, I was just going to jokingly say, is it because we're missing sports so much that we, uh, you know, we, we create right. these opposing teams, um, you know, that we have to have these polar opposites at, at war with each other. And, and, you know, I, I'm on the winning team and, and my echo chamber is on the winning team and you're, you're wrong. Um, you know, I even find um, just to, I guess a respectful debate or discussion has almost gone out the window because, you know, you're not willing to, to even give an inch um, because you already know going into the beta discussion that you're absolutely right. And you're, 
you're going to go back into that very same box that you came out of and you're still going to be right when you go yeah. home. So it, it, it's a very different world for sure. Do, do you think that there's a, um, you know, in terms of, I was going to say age, is that, uh, do, do you feel that there's a, you know, certain age groups that are a little more open to sharing than others, or is it more of an individual that I, I shouldn't put that into an age box? I think that there absolutely is some, uh, some age generalizations to it for sure. Right. Because uh, I mean, even when we think of right. how our parents were raised compared to how we were raised compared to who our kids are raised, I think they were encouraged that, that, our kids are certainly more encouraged to share how they're feeling. I mean, if we ever wonder why the young adults are, uh, feel like they can do anything on the planet, it's because we've told them that since they were uh, like born, that they can be anything that they want to be. I think that we got a taste of that, and our parents didn't really get a taste of that. Our parents mm -hmm. got told, like, your dad was this, and your grandpa was this, and therefore you're going to be this. And, and that that definition from what they do was mandated. And then almost along with it came that they're mandated of who they are. There wasn't a lot of flexibility in, in, in who they ended up being. And, and I think now, like, like there is just no limits put on, on, on anyone from that perspective. So who they are can be so massive with so, with so much exposure to different ideas and different concepts, some good, some not so good, but exposure to just so much more that that is so true and and so well put um yeah wow so the the whole um you know certainly i would have you know i as i as i mentioned I, I had grandparents that made it through the war and it wasn't until you know they were in their 90s that they talked about that experience because you know you just didn't talk about it and, um, you know, getting back to the mental health picture of, of this, I, I think there are certainly people that, that have the fortitude to be able to do that, to be able to, um, you know, swallow it down and keep it down inside. And, and it doesn't tend to affect them too much, uh, some of the experiences that may be troubling them. And yet others, um, you know, others you know, definitely have to talk it out. And, and I love, once again, the concept of holding space for the people that need to do that. Um, and I really, I, I like what you said in terms of, um, you know, we gotta, we gotta create a, a place where people can, can come to you and say, Hey, I, I, I like what you said and you really helped me. Um, but I wonder, you know, to that generation that is still hanging on, to that never let them see you sweat and, and we don't air our dirty laundry in public. And, and I can't think of, you know, there's, there's probably a, a number of other sayings <laughs> kind of on the same, uh, same line of thinking. I, I wonder, you know, is, is there anything we're missing about reaching out to them? Is there, is there anything else that we can do? And, you know, you talked a little bit about being scared. Um, I have to be honest, that is what I worry about the most is that, that we're just, you know, we're just scratching the surface of the long-term impact of the last, you know, two or three months. Um, and boy, we better get used to talking right. it out. 
<laughs> and no matter what age or and and sharing um how this how this feels i guess right. well well i can tell you that that i think it's those of us with a y chromosome that uh, tend to be the biggest problem right <laughs> um i think everything that i have learned about sharing and connecting for the most part has come from the mouth of a very wise woman and uh and when, when, when I hear some of the mm. conversations that my wife had with her friends compared to the conversations I had with my friends previously, it was like on a completely different plane. And I'm not suggesting that at every Jets game we go to or every football game we watch that we should be talking about sharing and love. But wow, if we're able to open up to a little bit more and, and the onus is on us to first do it. Because if you and I were sitting having a beer and I say, hey, so how are you feeling today? What, what's, how would you rank your feelings or, or what's the color of the feeling that you're having today? You'd probably throw your drink at me. But if I have the bravery, if I have the bravery <laughs> well, to I... say, dear, today was a tough day, dude. Uh, like this was the stuff I went through. This was the uh, felt a little hard. And we're, we're usually really good at talking about the hard piece if we've already figured out the solution. But those of us with a Y chromosome usually mm-hmm. not so good about talking about something hard if we haven't figured out the solution. So that if, if we do that, if we're ever wondering how to hold space for someone to give them the, the space to do that, it's to do it with them first. Wow. Yeah, and that's uh, – you, you just nailed it. I mean, we, we really – um, you know, Y chromosome or, or, or whoever, um, very solution oriented, right? Very, for every problem, there's a solution. So when, you know, when I have had conversations uh, with my friends in regards to, um, you know, what's going on in my life and, and when, when that opportunity was there, um, I often didn't want a solution right. in return. Um, I really just needed, needed a place to get stuff off my chest and, um, you know, uh, and, and yeah, sometimes I wasn't ready to hear a solution or to hear an answer or to, you know, it, it, it takes time, but I, I think, I think the listening, the, the making space, the, um, the making space for more than one emotion though as well. Um, and it's interesting. You mentioned that, uh, that kids are getting better at, you know, understanding their feelings. Um, I can't remember if it was kindergarten or grade one. My son came home with kind of a, um, a chart. It was almost like a wagon wheel of, of all the different emotions. Um, and and then I read an article that men really only are allowed by society, and, and I hope this is changing, are really only ever allowed to show, a few, you know, one or, or two emotions, right? And, and, and just to simplify it, it's, it's right. happy or angry. Um, you know, that whole trope of the, the angry white man shouting at clouds on the front lawn, yeah. the, uh, the Clint Eastwood type. Um, you know, we, we really need to get beyond that. I mean, if we're, if we're going to ask someone, and whether that's male or female, quite frankly, how they're feeling, we better, and, and I'm going to keep repeating it because I love what you said, we better hold space for their answer. Um, even if it doesn't fit into our preconceived 
yeah, uh, notions or understanding or uh, thoughts. I, I, I think exactly. And, and I don't know if this is useful or not, Dieter, but the tool that my wife gave me was if you're unsure of how to continue to hold space for someone, simple, easy two words, three words, sorry, tell me more. Tell me more. Tell me more. Tell me more. Mm-hmm. And it is shocking how often you can do this. I, uh, I, I, um, I was, <laughs> I had done the mental health first aid course uh, in Winnipeg. Uh, this is probably almost a year ago now. And uh, a couple days after, of course, the way that the law of attraction works, I'm walking down the street and there's a uh, somebody behind mm-hmm. me and he's swearing and cussing and 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 you could just tell he's he's upset, he's distraught. And if I hadn't done this mental health first aid course, I would have crossed the street and kept on walking. And instead, I turned around. <laughs> and as I turn around, it's this, I'll say, gangy-looking young guy, tattooed face, and looking at me like he'd just as soon stick a needle in my eye. And I said, hey, partner, you all right there? <laughs> and he looks at me and starts to tell me what's going on telling me about his girlfriend and something's messed up. The gang's going to kill him, blah, 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 blah. And all I could stammer out was tell me more. Wow. And he'd tell me more. And then he'd st- start to peter out and I'd say, tell me more. And we're standing on the street as people are walking past me in my suit and him in his gang colors. And uh, tell me more, tell me more. And I, he, I probably did that six or seven times. And finally he says, stops and he says, why do you give a shit or crap or whatever that he says? And I said, because I care about you. And, and he, he, he was just absolutely dumbfounded that this conversation was even happening. And, and I said to him, and he said, I'm done. I, I'm going home to end this. And so I said, will you do me one favor? I'm going to go grab my car. I just want you to talk to somebody. So this guy trusts me enough to jump in my car. I took him to the clinic that I just found out about days before through mental health first aid. And dropped them off there. And wow. I, I have no idea what went from there. But that this idea of you don't have to have a massive connection with people to hold space for them. Imagine when you do have a massive connection with people, how powerful the holding space can be. So you've just caught me speechless now, Sean. Um, what an incredible story and, and uh, you know, very well told. Uh, I, I'm a visual thinker, so I was following you along and, and drawing, you know, drawing the scene out in my mind. Um, well, the, the part that... Incredible. The yeah, part that and, I'm not and, sure and you so, caught in your visual was the trembling hand that I had to put into my jacket pocket because I was petrified of what I was doing. Or the, the 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 wondering if I was going to actually uh, be able to continue this conversation. Uh, I'm not sure that comes across in the visual, but it but it was there full bore for sure. <laughs> I uh, yeah no I, I pictured you as 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 brave and 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 facing him down, but uh, I, and I think you know I kind of you you really just answered uh, one of my previous questions. And that was, you know, how do we, how do we get beyond, uh, how do we reach out to these people that, that may be struggling and, you know, we, we want to have just those superficial conversations, you know, to, to your point, you wanted to cross the road if you hadn't, you know, hadn't 
had some tools in your toolbox to, to deal with the situation. And, and uh, what a, what a great story to kind of say, Hey, you know, maybe sometimes just asking somebody if they're all right and then drawing out a little bit more of the story and, you know, even as we said, some people don't want solutions, but good for you for, for having a great solution there. Um, and, and you know, I, I hope and trust the outcome was good in the end. Only the universe knows, um, Peter, but I'm sure that uh, I'm sure you know, he, we, got what he got what he needed at the time. I, that's all I can hope for. It's interesting, as I was, t- as I was just hearing you respond to that, what's, what struck me is sometimes it's easier to do that with someone you don't know then I think maybe it is sometimes to do it with those people that are so wildly close to you because there's so much more invested in it, right? It might take a little more bravery to have it with the, with the guy on the sidewalk, but in your heart, it, it's a tough thing to think about seeing someone in your, in your inner circle hurt. And an in, in, in inner circle has various layers to it. So, of course, I think we do it with our tight family, but our business family, our clients, our people that we work with, our vendors, our partners. It is amazing to me when you can ask them some question that, that gets them to, to just do a little bit of a shift, a mental shift away from the normal question to, like, has there been one thing that's been a positive piece? Or And I, and I, I would love every, to hear everyone's version of that because I think everyone has something that they do, even if they don't know they do it. I think they have something that they do to make that connection with folks. So I think, I think you've inspired me to make that my, my, my uh, go-to question now for people is what question do you ask? Thanks for that. Yeah. Well, it, it's, it's, um, you know, it, it's interesting times and, and, and you've certainly inspired me as well in terms of, um, you know, I, I, I said early on, you know, this is a great opportunity for me to reach out to more people and, and to, to have more phone conversations and, you know, we're all at home and we all have more time. And, um, I honestly, you know, as, as, as we said, this, the industry we're in has not been crushed, thank goodness. Um, and so, you know, it's been busy. (laughs) This is a busy time of year for us. Um, but, uh, you know, I think I'm just going to try to carve out more time to uh, to ask those questions. And as you can tell, I love to talk and I love to hear people's stories and I love to share them. Um, you know, this this uh, conversation with you is, is just another prime example of, um, you know, I, I I knew you as uh, as your as your job title. Turns out you're a, you're a Winnipeg street superhero and a lifesaver. And, and I would not have known that, um, you know, without having this conversation. So I, you know, I don't know what else I can add, Sean, other than to say, you know, thank you so much. Um, I, you know, I hope and trust that others will, will get out of this. What, what I got out of it. Um, you know, you've, you've left me with a, with a challenge and, uh, you know, it sounds like, sounds like that's mutual, um, and, and just reaching out more. And I, and I hope those that uh, choose to listen to this will, will do that as well. And what a, what an opportunity for all of us to emerge, uh, just a better society out of this and hey, to all become street heroes and lifesavers would be, would be awesome. I think that's how, what your next introduction should be at the next uh, 
400 person <laughs> audience. Well, Dieter, I appreciate it. And, and I think that the, the bravery you've shown in, in, in just taking this step to do this activity, right? I, I'm sure at some point there was that, that some little voice that said, oh, but this, is anyone going to care what I have to say about this? Because we all have that little voice at some point in our heads. And, and, you, and you get past that and you realize that, that if it has even a modicum of impact, it's worth it. And so kudos to you for, uh, for stepping up to make that happen. Yeah. Really what you've done is you held space for me. And then you held space for the people that, that hear you talk. So good on you. Well, thanks so much, Sean. I, I really appreciate those kind words. And with that, uh, thanks to all of you for listening to the Midlife Thesis podcast. We'll catch you on the next one. Take care thanks, of each Dieter. other.